Hey there, I'm Tyler, the author and host of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. The original recording of this episode wasn't quite adequate enough, so I've re-recorded it and labeled it with the term Redux. It's a true workhorse of an episode now, and believe me, it's much better than it was. Enjoy. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 4 Scarecrow Part 2 It was dark, black, silent. First came sound, muffled and incoherent. Soon the muffled sound became clear. It was the sound of a woman humming. The tune was happy and cheerful. Very pleasant. Second came smell. It was sweet, yet somehow nondescript. It was overall nice, and within seconds became the scent of warm vanilla. After sound and smell came sight. First the right then the left, an amalgam of shapes and colors flowing from side to side, in and out of view. Soon the shapes began to take form. It was an elderly woman, walking in and out of the room. She had a smile on her face when she noticed her success. Consciousness. She sat down in front of the scarecrow and looked tenderly into his white, painted eyes. Why, hello, she said in a gentle and sweet tone. I do believe I will call you Scarecrow. Yes, Scarecrow is a good name for you. Scarecrow was silent. The seamstress furrowed her eyebrows a little, and quickly unfurrowed them. I don't blame you. I don't know if I would want to talk to me either. Maybe someday, though. Scarecrow watched as she sewed his body together, creating him before his very eyes. He watched as she stuffed a red and black checkered flannel shirt with straw, but took care not to overdo it. Nobody wants a lumpy scarecrow, she said with a warm smile, as she attached her husband's worn leather gloves for hands. He watched as she used her husband's favorite pair of pants for legs, and sewed them to his nicest shoes. <laughs> No need to make you look like a bum, she continued. Once these essentials were stuffed and complete, it was time to begin his actual assembly. Scarecrow watched in utter fascination 
as she sewed limbs and fabric together, creating one complete body. Still, though, he maintained his silence. As the seamstress was putting him together, she told him the story of her husband. She told him how he was taken from her by a very wicked person. However, she left out the part about him being a possible child-raping serial killer. She never really believed Mombi anyway. Besides that, it made her sad to think of him that way. Scarecrow listened intently as every word fell on his painted ears and wriggled their way into his straw-filled mind. Still, though, he maintained his silence. Well, here it is, your new body, said the seamstress, waving her hands over the carefully stitched together articles of clothing. She picked up the scarecrow's head and swung it around, making him dizzy in the very best of ways. As she sewed it to his neck, he admired the rest of the small one-room cabin. It was lovely. It had a fireplace on the far wall and a table in the center, one window on each side of the front door, and two more windows on the opposite wall. Paintings adorned the walls where the windows were not. Colorful paintings. Beautiful paintings. The pictures were of trees and calming landscapes, lands that existed somewhere on the outside, places he could only wish to see. But even though he was new to this world, he realized he probably never would. Still lying on the table, he slowly raised his hand to his face. He looked at his fingers and wiggled them in pure delight. He raised his other hand, and in much the same manner wiggled his fingers some more. He looked down at his feet, shaking one foot side to side, and then the other. This is incredible, he thought to himself. He raised himself to his feet and kicked them out in front of him. His first wobbly steps proved to be a failure as he fell to the floor quickly. Embarrassed, he picked himself back up as though nothing had happened. He looked around the room, out the windows, picking up knick-knacks that sat on the windowsills and touching the paintings on the walls where he expected the painted trees to feel like real ones. The seamstress watched with sheer joy as he wandered around the room in awe of everything. She smiled, and with a calm voice she said, I hope you like it here. It's not much, but it's a home. And who knows? Maybe some day you will even speak, and we can carry on a conversation. Scarecrow turned and looked at the seamstress. He walked over to her and placed one gentle hand on her shoulder and looked her in the eyes. He raised his other hand and gently motioned to his face where his mouth should be. Oh, silly me! she said, as she picked up a small seam ripper. <laughs> How could I forget? 
she made a quick, straight cut across his face. Ah! He screamed in girlish pain as he placed his hands to his new mouth. This was his first experience of pain. It would not be his last. The seamstress jumped back. Sorry. I guess I should have done that first. It's okay, said the scarecrow, as he exercised his mouth by opening wide and closing it again. Certainly it can't hurt forever. And before long, the pain had completely disappeared. They lived together for fifteen more years, the seamstress teaching him everything she knew. She gave him her husband's favorite straw hat, and occasionally repainted his eyes and ears when they would begin to fade. She taught him to sew, and gifted him the most valuable and useful thing he could ever need in his life. The infinite spool, and the never-dulling needle. With these two items, you will always be able to fix yourself up. Even when I'm not around anymore. It made them both sad to think that his life would still be in its very early stages when she would inevitably pass away. She was nearly eighty now, and her health was slipping. Scarecrow, on the other hand, could theoretically live forever, given proper care and caution, when around fire and sharp objects. It was a warm autumn day when the Scarecrow lost the woman who gave him life. He was outside most of the afternoon, piling up leaves and jumping into them with all the innocence of a small child. A gentle breeze turned into a large gust of wind, knocking his hat from his head. He gave chase into the woods, getting further and further from his home. Before he knew it, the only thing he could see behind him were trees. He found himself in a small clearing, and in this small clearing was a small stump with a soft, warm, inviting ring of sunlight surrounding it. This is peculiar, he thought to himself, as he curiously examined his new surroundings. Looking up to see where the light might be coming from, he noticed his hat on the highest branch of the highest tree. Huh. How in the world did it get way up there? He knew this would not be easy. But his hat was one of his most cherished possessions. It was one of the seamstresses as well. He climbed the tree, slowly but surely making his way higher and higher. As he climbed just high enough to be in danger of a very painful fall, he came across a beautiful red apple, shimmering in the sun's light. It was almost hypnotic, and he felt compelled to take it, if only to examine it closer. He reached out, almost touching it, before putting a stop to his actions and snapping out of this trance-like state moments before his glove could make any real contact with the fruit. He had a goal, 
and damn it, he was going to stick to it. Finally, he found himself on the branch holding his hat captive. Climbing out on a limb until it was just out of reach, he made a slight lunge toward it. He managed to grab it, losing his balance in the process, thus losing his place in the tree. As he fell through the branches big and small, his fabric body endured a series of painful rips and tears. He landed with a loud thump. Coughing up straw from his mouth and spilling more from his shirt as he sent up a cloud of heavy brown dust, he looked around for his hat. He watched as it gently floated to the ground and found a resting spot by his slightly flattened head. He was in pain all right, but he told himself that it could have been worse. Much worse. If he had been a human, he surely would have shattered every bone in his body upon impact with the ground. Those that were not broken on the way down, that is. Upon picking himself back up, he placed the hat back atop his tattered, somewhat misshapen head, and made his way back to the cabin. The journey back took him a few hours longer than it should have, as he easily got lost and confused in the increasingly dark woods. It was like the forest and trees were playing a rather mean-spirited joke on him. Finally, he came to the cabin once more. With a great sense of relief and accomplishment, he entered without so much as a second thought. Upon entering, he found subtle differences here and there. It was full of strange things he didn't quite remember, and he felt a strange uncertainty about being home. The pictures on the walls were gone, and the table was out of place, and there was only one window instead of four. This was, in fact, not his home. A wave of confusion washed over him, as he noted more differences in the house. He did not know it at the time, but this particular set of circumstances was not going to have a pleasant outcome for him. Once the confusion subsided, the panic set in. He made a hasty run for the door, only to be greeted by a large ogre, wielding a rather large knife. Scarecrow, was held in this cabin for ten years before Dorothy would show up and rescue him. The ogre would make his life a living hell. Scarecrow would be subjected to bizarre, unthinkable acts of violence and abuse for a very long time, because he was nearly immortal. He had no choice but to suffer through every last moment of it. Damage and repairs, ripping and patching, tearing and fixing, day in, day out. Scarecrow suffered a near-constant barrage of physical, sexual, and mental abuse at the hands of his captor. The Ogre.